This episode of the DLU podcast is brought to you by Goalie Nutrition. As someone who's used Goalie for quite some time, I can tell you that they're not only very good, but they're very beneficial. My favorite are the Super Green Gummies. The Super Green Gummies are uniquely crafted with a spectrum of essential nutrients such as vitamins A, B12, folic acid, and theamine. It supports a healthy liver function, healthy nervous and immune system, digestive health, a boost to your metabolism, and overall health and well-being. There are no artificial sweeteners, flavors, or colors from artificial sources. They're vegan-friendly, gluten-free, and gelatin-free. All loyal listeners of the DLU podcast get a special 10% discount at checkout. Go to Goalie.com, use promo code D-L-E-W. That's Goalie.com, use promo code D-L-E-W. This podcast is a Believe Network and Luciete production. Welcome to another edition of the Team Podcast brought to you by Believe Network. I'm your host, Jared T. Lewis, and I hope every single one of you that are listening had an incredible Labor Day weekend, and I hope this week is treating you great as well. You know, this week's episode, and I'm going to get right into it right away, you know, Pila Kangri, she's a DJ. I mean, she does everything. She's obviously a recording artist. She does it all. And her and I met a few months ago at a... I don't want to say conference, but it was like a mixer hosted by Vidya, and that's the parent company for Vivo, Excite Global, and um, several other, you know, video content outlets where people like myself, you know, other artists can um, display all of their art, you know, their their music, you know, the music videos, etc. But you know, we really got to know each other there, and um, she had agreed to come on to the D Loop podcast. And I told her, "Hey, I have my own podcast. I'd love to have you on." And she definitely agreed. And you know, we talked about a lot of things. You know, her relationship with her grandmother when she was young, and that led her into getting into music, and how she got into DJing, and all that she's doing today. And let's not wait any longer. My interview with the one and only Pila Kangri starts right now. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it gives me great pleasure to introduce a, a woman that really just shatters the mold in all aspects. She's a recording artist. She's a DJ. I mean, she's coined the hottest DJ, the hottest female DJ, period. Here's the one and only P. Lacangri. How are you today? Good. You said that. Awesome. With that introduction, I could just retire at this point. Right? <laughs> and, you, and yo, you, you said woman. I feel, whoa. Yeah, man. That's what I'm talking about. Absolutely. Sure. I'm, I'm all about uh, women empowerment on the DLU podcast for sure. But, you know, That's you and up. I, yeah. So you and I had met um, a few months back. Actually, I can't believe it's been three months already. We met at long? a, um, yeah, wow. June 10th to be exact. Wow. Because um, I was going through my calendar. And I was just waiting. I was like, that was June. I'm like, this year has really gone by so fast. But we met at a mixer for um for the company uh Vidya. Yes. They're, they're one of the parent companies for Vivo and a lot of the um a lot of the platforms that are out there for music, yes. you know, for videos and things of that nature. And we hit it off right away. And when we had talked about you coming onto the D Loop podcast, you you without hesitation, you said you definitely wanted to do it. So 
let's go back to the every story has its you know beginning. So let's tr- let's talk about your beginning. So let's oh. talk about life growing up. Well, I'm Cuban Cuban heritage, mm-hmm. so you know music was always was always in the background. Uh, cut to the chase. My grandmother um, took care of me while my parents worked, okay. and she and she sang the whole time she cooked. Really? Yes, she sang. She was a soprano. So she mm. sang the whole time she cooked. So I was with her in the kitchen, you know, mm. while she was cooking. And okay. that's where everything came from. So, uh, you know, growing up a little bit, I asked her why she never pursued music as a career. She said it was look kind of frowned upon, you know, that lifestyle. So she mm. got married, had children and um, did what she did. So I guess I'm living vicariously, you know, or, or she was living vicariously through me. But through I you, right? definitely, yeah, yeah. Her voice was spectacular. So that's how it all came up, came about. That's amazing. And I think about, you know, when you talk about the relationship, you know, with your grandmother, I know what my grandmother, Gaira soul, um, her and I, I, I consider her one of my best friends when I, when she was living, one of my best friends in my family, because we connected on professional wrestling and we connected on baseball. So that's crazy. That, yeah, seriously. And it's like, I'm in the wrestling business, you know, as a ring announcer, you know what I mean? And I, I actually did play little league baseball too, when I was little, but that was how her and I connected. So a lot of people, you know, that I've run into over the years, it's just the, the connection with, with, with grandparents and how they're so important, you know, granted that's their time to kind of spoil their grandkids and things of that nature, but her to you to connect music, you know, with yeah, your man. grandmother speaks volume. So I definitely, she meant a lot to you for sure. Absolutely. I get asked a lot of questions like, um, who do you admire? Uh, or what's your favorite singer? And I always say my grandmother. And mm-hmm. I know that sounds corny, but she it was doesn't. the one. She's the one that inspired me. You know what I mean? She she completely inspired me to do what I'm doing today. Especially the part. You know, I hate the word no or can't. Mm-hmm. Those are some words that I just don't don't like. So when she told me that she couldn't, I said, Well, I guess I I guess I got to do it for you. You know what I mean? Exactly. Exactly. So with that being said, um. Now, obviously, with your grandmother being an inspiration, now, did you take any voice lessons or did you take like any instruments when you were younger as far as having that music within you? Well, you know, the arrogance of us artists when we're growing up that we think we know it all. Mm-hmm. So my father was telling me that I needed to take um, that I should take voice lessons if I wanted to take the seriously. I said, no, I know what I'm doing. I don't need voice lessons. You know, I'm I'm the shit. I can curse here. I'm the shit. So, so <laughs> yeah, so, he, you know, he was right and I was wrong. So later on in life, I started taking voice lessons from this um, Oscar-nominated uh, voice teacher named uh, Marlon Saunders. Oh. So I, I so I did take some voice lessons from Marlon. Uh, you know, not when my father told me, but later on, because I figured that I really, really needed it. So uh, it really did help a lot, and it helped con- with control and all kinds of nonsense. You know, the things that we don't really think about um, when we're because you know the recording aspect is so. I mean, a dummy can record a song at this point. You don't even know even know how, how to sing, you know. But when you do know how to sing and you sing correctly, all those extra tools that we use really mm-hmm. enhance the beauty of your vocals. Exactly, and I and I'll tell you a quick story, real quick. You know, when I when I first started, you know, getting into the music, and I was I'm an actor, you know, first and foremost. You know, when I right. got into the entertainment industry, I was strictly acting. But obviously, music is in my blood. It's something I've always wanted to do. And my first song was okay. The second song. I was like struggling, you know what I mean? And then right. I ended up taking voice lessons with somebody. Um, and I'm appreciative today of what she did for me. But just 
some of the little things that I didn't even realize that I wasn't doing. Like breathing? Like breathing? Breathing. Yes. Yes. Oh my God. Just something as simple as taking breaths and all these other things, you know, understanding how your mouth is shaped when you're making certain sounds and things like that. So it's the little things that you may not learn on your own that when someone that, you know, when you're being trained by someone that knows what they're doing, it could definitely take you to the next level. Like someone that I know and trust heard my, my new record that just came out. She already saw, heard a difference within my voice. That's listening dope. to the new record and i'm just saying well wow that that that's, it, taking lessons is extremely important yeah and I, I think another thing is 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 uh that's great is that uh every producer that i've had i always pick a producer that's a vocalist mm-hmm. and those harmonies right. because when i go into a vo- when i go into a session to record like the, the album i just recorded boss of the block um the the team that i use one of the guys is a better singer than me a hundred times so it was okay. dope to have someone like that in there you know guiding me yeah, I mean, that's the goal because like that's and I could use a sports analogy for a second. I mean, look at Deion Sanders. He's the coach of um the University of Colorado football team. This guy is a, a football hall of famer, um, two two time Super Bowl champion who's been there and done it. Absolutely. And he's got those kids motivated. So in the, I would rather go to someone that knows what they're doing, knows what they're talking about, and is better than me. So I could I have somewhere to work towards. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? So I know you say your grandmother was your first inspiration as right. far as the singing, but right. what was the first artist that gravitated you towards, you know, that as far as me- loving music and things of that nature? What was the first artist well, that you paid attention to? Again, back to my grandmother, she turned me on to the singer. Um, like, I, you know, you walk past your grandmother's bedroom, you hear stuff like the TV and radio and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. So she turned me on to this, um, this singer named Luis Miguel. Mm-hmm. And Luis Miguel is from is from Mexico. Okay. And she says, uh, so you know, I looked and I said, Wow, he's hot. <laughs> she goes, <laughs> she, she's like, Yes, he's hot, but you have to listen to his voice. Mm-hmm. So she turned me on to him. He became an incredible inspiration because at the time I was pursuing music in English and um just something wasn't, I don't know, it's it, it wasn't at the I guess I had I didn't have the vocal experience enough to really do English music the way that I, I heard it one way, but I wasn't delivering it that way. So once she turned me on to Luis Miguel, I started listening to his music and mm-hmm. listening to the way that the right, cause he never, he didn't write, he had writers like 80 year old men who wrote about love and losing and mm-hmm. how they get drunk and you know, why their, their wife left them or something. And they're like really meaningful. He was a young guy, but the, the people that wrote for him were mm-hmm. older dudes who had all this life experience. Hence, all the awards he's written for that he's won for all these songs because they were so deep. So I started mimicking what he did. It was horrible in the beginning singing in Spanish. I was just terrible, just terrible. But something happened and mm-hmm. made the switch. And that was, let's say Luis Miguel is definitely my vocal inspiration, my favorite artist in Latin music. And I got it, got it. Now you had mentioned something and I wanted to take a little deep dive in this. You said, you know, singing in English versus Spanish what was the, I guess in your at that time in your life? What was the most difficult? Because I know you said you were doing things in English, but it wasn't so. Eh. So what, I, I guess what was the difference? I couldn't. I couldn't identify. Like I couldn't find my voice. Mm-hmm. Like I, I couldn't really. I mean, I, I sing in the right key. It's not like I'm out of key. I just couldn't find. I couldn't find that feeling. Uh, so mm-hmm. I, so I can sound. I I could sound like what I heard on radio. Like to me, right. I wasn't sounding commercial. 
to myself. No one ever said anything to me, but I knew that I wasn't sounding commercial. So once I started switching to Spanish, I found my voice. Mm-hmm. And once I found my voice and I found the writing and get, being passionate about writing, not just writing words, once I, I found all that, the English just fell into place. Got it. Got it. So yeah. in other words, you needed to go to that deeper place right. to, make it, to make it all come full circle again. So when exactly. you found you, oh, okay, I got it now. I totally yeah. got it. Bravo. Bravo. Yes. Now, how old were you, though, when you said, you know what? I'm going to go at it with being a recording artist. When was that that light when that light bulb, when that switch went off and said, I'm going to go ahead and going to go full throttle with this? If I, I lie to you not, I must have been four years old. Four, really? I knew it. I just, um, I knew it. I had, I had some kind of. Um, I kept getting sick with a cold. Mm-hmm. My parents sent me to a doctor. They're like, uh, she has an infection. Um, we've got to do like they had to take something out. I don't know if it was a growth or whatever it was out. And um, they took it out. When I woke up, I couldn't speak because of you know the the pain and stuff. For sure. And when I couldn't speak. I started freaking out. That means that I couldn't sing. So when I realized at four or five that I couldn't sing, I went ballistic. My grandmother had to calm me down, tell me that it it would pass. It was just a surgery. Then in a few days, as the doctor said, my voice would come back. So when I realized that I didn't have a voice, that's that's the moment that I knew that's what I want. That's the passion that I had. I mean, I didn't know in the scope of things, obviously, because I'm, you know, I'm a kid, but I knew that that's what I wanted to pursue. And my mother kept like, uh, all my all the stuff that that you do in school like what do you want to be when you grow up and it always has singer 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 like mm-hmm. it, it just it never delved into i'm going to be an attorney it was just singer 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 you know well i mean you know what something sometimes kids know you know i think not, so not all and i mean i was the same age when i said to myself i wanted to be an actor and i saw a movie with Faye Dunaway called Mommy Dearest. I don't know if you ever heard of it. Oh, of course. It's a classic. Oh, yeah. I was four years old. Now, mind you, I didn't, at four years old, of course, You, I don't know the, the 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 context of the story, but when the one scene when she when she got mad with, at Christina because she had the wire hangers and she made her scrub the floors with Ajax and all this other stuff, and she said, no, wire hangers. And at four years old, I had the wherewithal to realize I want to do that. Well, I knew that you knew that it wasn't real. That was acting. You knew that was it was fake. acting. Right. right. Well, that's, that's I knew. I'm like, I want to do that. I want, and I said it to myself. I never said it to a soul. Anybody. Yeah. I, ne- I never told anybody either, but that's, See, that's what yep. I knew. Mm-hmm. So I knew I kept that within myself for years. I didn't tell anybody because mm-hmm. I, I wanted to just perform. I wanted to entertain. I wanted to, mm-hmm. I wanted to, build emotion, bring emotions out of people. That's what I've always wanted to do. So when people say, oh, I was four years old, I I believe it because I'm living proof of that too. Absolutely. Now, obviously, you know, and getting started in in this industry, obviously, you know, as well as anybody, it it is rather difficult. So who were some of your mentors when you first started getting started in the industry? Wow, that's a good... My friends, man, my friends, my friends would, I guess, not so much mentor. I was always a leader of everything that I do, but my friends, my friends really cheered me on. They really, really like supported me. My parents did, you know, side-eyed. They wanted me to be, you know, a doctor or something else, but mm-hmm. they, they supported me. My whole family did. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I didn't, I don't, I didn't have a mentor per se, you know, I think, or you know, as you know, not think, I do know the music industry, everybody's very selfish. For sure. And I run into that lately too. I did a post the other day, basically talking to some of these organizations that we all belong to, basically mm-hmm. saying, look, if you're not, if you say, if we're at a gathering and you tell people you're going to help them and they call you, then help them. And if you're right. not, just don't say it. Just shut up. Just don't I say agree. it. I agree. I totally agree. Just, just be quiet. You know what I mean? Just be quiet. Um, whenever I say that I'm going to help somebody, I say I'm going to do it. It might not be right now, but I will. And if I'm not going to, if I don't believe in the project or I wasn't a part of the project, um, then I'll just stay quiet and say, you know, and, and I usually, when I stay quiet, is it that I know that I can't help in that situation. Understand? But right. back to mentorship. They're people who say they're going to mentor, they're going to help, and they don't. They don't. But right. I, in turn, have mentored. I have a real successful mentorship story. But um, yeah, so I no, I didn't have I didn't have a mentor. I did not. Wow, and, and you know what? And a lot of times, you know, people are self taught. People just learn from trial and error, which is yes. which is a great which is a great tool and a great way to learn because absolutely, you know, every L is not a loss; is a lesson. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah, and for sure. So that that's another that's the another way to learn, and then you can pass that down to another. Definitely, absolutely, absolutely. Now, wh- now what were some of those challenges you faced early on? The the easiest one, the the most stupid one, all of us make to get a record deal. Like like, why do we even need one, right? Mm-hmm. How to get a record deal, mm-hmm. and then um, I didn't know how. I didn't know how. And I figured out that it wasn't talent. Then that was like mind blowing. That had nothing to do with talent. Had to do, had to do with a lot of other factors. You know, mm-hmm. especially being a woman, you can almost almost imagine what the factors are. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I mean, guys too, because yeah. I've I've had guy friends that that have gone through. That's uh, my my daughter, Michael and Davidoff, my puppy barking at everything. Mm-hmm. But um, that was one of the challenges. Um, and then people telling me that I I couldn't because. I wasn't famous enough, so I couldn't like get sponsorship or get this or get that. Like, I don't understand that word. Like, what do you mean I can't? What are you saying to me right now that I can't? Right. You know, so the my first lesson was how to get a record deal. Then after mm-hmm. I got one, I didn't want it. That was a, a that was a rude awakening. I got one, hated it, didn't want it, opened up my own label. It was the best lesson I've ever learned in my life. Now, what was about now if if I if I may. What I guess once you did sign the deal, what was it that you was like? I don't know. It was the controlling factor. Got the it. Controlling factor. Mm-hmm. Um, and they didn't know what they were doing. Like everything else, they didn't know what they were doing. It was the controlling factor. They didn't know what they were doing, and it was just I received a copyright where there were twenty five people on the song, and I and it was in Spanish, and I wrote it. It's like, who are these? I don't understand how the secretary gets two points. Like, what is going on here? That's that's odd. Uh, it's not, because if you look at some of these copyrights, um, you know, everybody's getting a piece. I mean, Puffy right now is giving back all the publishing. And all the publishing. I just, right, right. I just read about that. Right, right. So once um, I realized that that controlling factor, I said, these people are that I'm signed to are pretty dumb. I'm smart. I can probably do open the label myself. So what I did was I waited till the contract ran out and I opened up my own label and I haven't looked back ever since. So it's kind of dope, you know? 
Yeah, it's all about the DIY entrepreneurial spirit, man. If you have Absolutely. it within you, you know, tap into that and take advantage of it because we hear stories all the time about, you know, you how many how many documentaries have we seen of the unsung heroes or whatever the case? <laughs> I've about- met some. I've met some, you know, that you and I have never heard of before that mm-hmm. wrote XYZ song that we sing at the club, you know, mm-hmm. that I play. Mm-hmm. And we don't know we, we don't know that this guy wrote it or this woman wrote it or whoever, you know, you just don't know. But yeah, th- those are those are the things, you know, those are the things. I mean, and being a label, we all make mistakes. I mean, it's not like it's been a hundred percent, you know, whatever, but I'm living my best life doing this, you know. Gotcha. Gotcha. No, let's talk about the creative process for just a second. You know, when you're when you come up with an idea, when you come up with a thought process in regards to what direction you want to go in. Talk about what fits your narrative in regards to your creative process and how you make it come to life. I think every song or every project has been different. Sometimes I have immediate things I need to do right now. For example, there's a song called Cuéntale de Mi that I wrote here in my in my office. I wrote it in my head. I called my producer and said, hey, I wrote this song. This is what it says. He goes, okay, we'll record it next week. I said, no, I need you to come to my house now. Mm. And he says, you want me to come to your house? He goes, but the studio's at my house. I said, bring your studio to my house. So he put all his stuff, like, you know, what's a studio now? Mac, computer, whatever. He put everything in his car. He right. drove it over and we, we did the record immediately. And um, yeah, it was cool. It's every Every song is different. Every project is different. But I'm always in a hurry. Like, I'm afraid that if I don't record it right now, that the idea is going to like, I'm going to lo- lose the passion. I, you know, mm. I have a lot of passion when I when I sing or rap. So it's it's about the passion. So it's just I get inspired. Every, everything that you've heard from me or or will hear from me is always about a, is always a, a truth. I can't sing about things that I don't know. I, I can't I right have to sing about real life experiences. And my co-writer had an incredible co-writer on this album. Uh, him and I spent a lot of time talking. I didn't know that the stuff we were talking about, he would help me make it to song form, which is dope. So he got to know me really well. And the stuff that he wrote sounded like the parts that he wrote sounded like I wrote them my, myself. So it's that's where it comes, it comes from a real place. This episode of the DLU podcast is brought to you by Goalie Nutrition. As someone who's used Goalie for quite some time, I can tell you that they're not only very good, but they're very beneficial. My favorite are the Super Green Gummies. The Super Green Gummies are uniquely crafted with a spectrum of essential nutrients such as vitamins A, B12, folic acid, and theamine. It supports a healthy liver function, healthy nervous and immune system, digestive health, a boost to your metabolism, and overall health and well-being. There are no artificial sweeteners, flavors, or colors from artificial sources. They're vegan-friendly, gluten-free, and gelatin-free. All loyal listeners of the d podcast get a special 10% discount at checkout. Go to Goalie.com, use promo code D-L-E-W. That's Goalie.com, use promo code D-L-E-W. Yeah, I find the most, I want to say creative, but I want to say the most meaningful records are the one coming from truth, especially from the artist that actually wrote it. Absolutely. I, I'll, I'll be the first to admit my very first record was coming from a truthful place about a break. It was a breakup song. And right. 
I took those hurtful feelings and I put my absolute all into it. I mean, really. And I used to wonder like years ago, why did Taylor Swift used to talk about her breakups and everything? Because I was about to mention Taylor. Yeah, Yeah. she's awesome. And she's coming from a real place. Yes, she is. She's not fabricating anything about a lifestyle. She's not fabricating anything about a car she drives. She doesn't talk about those things. Miley Cyrus too. Right, exactly. I, and Miley, I mean, how, how much more real than Miley can you get? I mean, and she's really opening herself up more and more and more about she's admitting, yeah, I was a little wild child 10 years ago, but yeah. you know, I'm a grown woman now and I'm in a different place mentally, right. spiritually, all those other things. So, and that's just the growth of an artist, you know, that that's the evolution, you know, of, of an artist is just seeing them grow and prosper in all aspects of their life. But I can't, for me as an artist, I can't fabricate anything. No, neither can I. No, like I will not drive in a Maserati because I don't drive a Maserati. I don't, you know? Yeah, I mean, I I believe the same thing. The the first video that we did for this album for Boss of the Block, the song is called Atrevete. Mm -hmm. Um, First of all, I wanted to lose weight for the video. I did, I lost 20 pounds. Oh, congratulations. Thank you, because I I wanted to look a certain way. Mm -hmm. And then we shot it in Miami. So, you know, sunglasses, sneakers, like, you know, the whole, the whole look. Mm-hmm. And what I did was that um, I bought everything, the clothes I'm wearing, the sneakers, the glasses, everything. Right. And my management team at the time said, hey, we rented you a car for, um, for one of the scenes. It was some kind of a, I don't know what kind of car it was. It wasn't like a Maserati, but it was like some kind of a sports car. You would recognize it if you saw it. It's in the video. Especially if it's in Miami, you're going to see Maserati, Lambo. Yeah. So I didn't Bugatti, have, I had a, like, yeah. I had like a, a sports car. So some of my fans had asked me, uh, hey, the sneakers you have on, you rented them? I said, no, I have. I own them. If you look through my Instagram, you can see that I'm wearing them. They're Christian Louboutin, the red bottom sneakers. Right. I'm wearing Versace, Versace glasses. They're mine because I worked DJing to purchase everything. So in that video, I would look dope. You know, because I didn't want anybody asking me what you're saying right now. Like, is that you can you is that really yours? So when it came down to the car, somebody said, Well, obviously it's not your car. I go, Yeah, you're obviously right, because I drive a Mercedes. <laughs> I'm saying mm-hmm. so my Mercedes is more expensive than that car. So with that said, it's what you're saying. It's like I don't want to be in something that I can't afford or something that Unless it's a it's a it's a fantasy song that I'm fantasizing about having, understand, which is which is cool too. You're but setting I mean, the story, you're setting the expectation that it is a fantasy right, right from the jump where, where the viewer is saying, Oh, she's dreaming. Right. Makes right. Sense. She, yeah, yeah. But I, I I don't feel comfortable um what you know what you said about doing stuff that's fake. I'm not comfortable with that yet. You know, right. I don't know if I mean, I'll ever be. It's cool. No, I'm I'm the same way. Now you mentioned something for us DJing. Let's backtrack just a little bit. So, okay. when did you start DJing? Where did you learn? And who were some of your heroes in the DJ game that you were able to kind of look at, emulate after a little bit, and say this is the direction I want to go in? This is going to sound crazy. I started DJing. All my growing up music with music. All my friends were were guys. I mm-hmm. just had a guy friends and they were doing these parties that were like a bunch of famous DJs in, in the town that I lived in. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, they say, yo, why don't we teach um, P how to DJ? So a friend of mine said, I'll teach you how to DJ. Cause you, you know, you like music and stuff. So he taught me how to DJ mm-hmm. and I DJed like all through college. And then once I got my deal, I stopped. 
uh, because what I started doing was I was performing and touring. So I didn't think in my mind that I can do both at the same time. Right. And then fast forward, I had a manager and my family were like, how come you're not DJing anymore? You should DJ. I go, can I do both? He goes, yeah, you can do both. So I got booked like uh, from what I have two radio shows and my manager said, I booked you to DJ. I said, in front of people? He said, yeah, in front of people. I go, what are you saying? He goes that you're that good that you should be DJing in front of people. So he booked me on the Tuesday afternoon. I was playing some more indictment mm-hmm. and that lasted about three weeks. Next thing you know, I'm playing again, like in the Gansevoort area, like downtown in Manhattan. Mm-hmm. So that was playing at one of the big clubs, like doing the after work. And then that translated into bigger money and bigger clubs. And uh, here I am at bar 13 where I'm the resident DJ. Now, as far as heroes, that's a touchy subject. Um, because some of the people that you grew up admiring DJ or that you see DJ, I get to work with or meet. And a lot of these people have lost their passion mm-hmm. for DJ. Like I have this innate passion for what I do so well. So someone took me to see this Latin DJ, Alex Sensation. Uh, he's one of the biggest Latin DJs. There is a radio personality. Gotcha. And someone said to me, hey, you're playing at the same club he's playing uh, in about a month. So he's doing the opening night. Why don't you come see what he does? And when I saw what he does, which is basically just connect, which is something that I do regardless, connect and how comfortable he was watching him that day. Let me know that it was okay to be, to be who I was, which is to connect, not just play the best mixes, not to pick pick the best records, but to really, really connect with people. Mm -hmm. So, and that's my specialty is connection. And, uh, that night also, I'll tell you a story that I've never talked about uh, in a recording. Alex had on a pair of sneakers that day, him and his manager. I looked down at them. I said, wow, those are dope. I wonder what they are. And I was too embarrassed to ask him. So hindsight being what it is now, he was wearing those sneakers that I'm wearing in that video. So I was able to figure out what sneakers they were and purchase them. Now I own them. So now it's like I've reached the pinnacle of my life that I say, you know, I, now I, I'm, I'm not Alex, but... I worked my way to get there. You know what I'm saying? Got so it. he, that that was inspiration that evening. That was an inspiration uh, to see him work and to see him really care about whose birthday it was, you know, who said hello to him, who, who inboxed him. He wasn't just mixing. He was just, he was, he was creating an experience. So that's, that's my gift is to create experiences. Do I have a hero DJ? No, I don't. I don't because I've seen some of the these greats play next to me and they just they've lost it. They've lost the, the that to them it's just getting paid. Yeah. It's just, it's not it's it, just it's just another gig. Right, right, right. It's right. another gig. To me, every gig is my last gig in my head. So that's my answer. I don't know who's gonna like that or not, but that's the <laughs> truth. As you a self taught as a self-taught DJ from my 10 years ago, I literally taught myself how to DJ via a uh, virtual DJ. And I kind of got into it by accident. And when you said, and, and, and it resonated with me because I always, when I, cause I mainly do weddings. I have a DJ in a while now, but it's right. mainly special events, D, um, wedding, right. wedding receptions, that type of thing. I'm right. not sure if I'm ready for the clubs yet. I think I need to maybe shadow somebody to get there. But when the point you made, in regards to making people feel special, mm-hmm. 
that right there, I knew from jump. I said, when I first got into it, I said, I'm going to make people remember this night for the next five, 10 to 15 years. I was just talking, I was just having this conversation with DJ Yoshi. Shout out to DJ Yoshi. He actually did my, uh, my remix for every second, make it count two years ago on my, on my last, my uh, other EP. And he and I were having this very same conversation about that because that was, that was always been my goal as mm-hmm. a DJ was to, I want people to t- make a, create a timestamp for people. You know what I mean? They can right. be having the crappiest day, but the mix that you put in can make them forget about whatever it is, is going on in their life, any drama that's going on in their life. Absolutely. And that and that's and that that's 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 always been a goal of mine whenever I DJ. I want people no, to remember. It, it's incredible. I mean, the play that I play, the the spot that I have, the residency, mm-hmm. uh, is iconic. It's Bar 13, it's down the street from uh, NYU. Okay. Owned by uh, legendary DJ Eddie Batiste, who's played at. I mean, these clubs that. You know that you see that you see in movies like Studio Fifty Four and stuff like that. So he's a legendary DJ with a, a a lot of knowledge, you know. And for him to allow me to be his resident DJ says a lot about the talent that I have because you know playing for someone like that is insane. You have no idea the pressure that I have when I play. <laughs> but again, you know it's it's about those regulars that come in every week. I have people that come in every weekend. I've got people that come in after a breakup that. We're here with their boyfriend last week and broke up and they come in to hang out and, you know, I can make them forget or make them cry, you know, right. And it's that, it's that power. And I do something that most teachers don't do. I take requests, which makes me dope because I don't have a playlist. I don't go in with a playlist. I go in, I read the audience and I play what I play. So when someone asks me for a request, um, nine times out of 10, the audience is right. They're feeling something that, that that maybe I'm not feeling because I'm not in, in the crowd. And they'll say, hey, can you play this song? I'm like, oh, okay. Like the Pop Smoke song, um, Welcome to the Party. Mm-hmm. That was somebody from Rough Riders who was, um, shout out to Rough Riders, that were, they were in the club. Mm-hmm. I hadn't played the song yet. And the guy said, yo, P, sincere, play this song. The place is going to go nuts. I said, okay. So I played it and the place went berserk so a lot of djs they get into that thing well i'm a legendary dj or i am um i'm the popular dj so i know everything so why don't ask me for requests now that's not the way to be the audience is paying for an experience give it to them or maybe it's that you can't maybe your playlist is what you know and that's it yeah and i guess once you're stagnant it's hard for you to break some of those habits and break some of those you know, I'm only doing it this way because this way is what works for me. But again, you right. have to do what works for the consumer because the consumer is the one that can give a review of, hey, I saw DJ such and such one night. I don't know. You know what I mean? And the word gets around fast. You just never know. No, it, it does. I mean, you can't please everybody, but you can try right. your best. You can definitely try your best. And as long as you look in the mirror the next day and 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 tell yourself that you gave it everything you got, that's the only thing you can ever yeah. ask for as an art, as a creative, as an artist, whatever it in whatever direction that you're going in, for sure. Absolutely. Now, what's the best advice that anyone's giving you about the industry as a whole? Hmm. The best advice. That's don't sell your dignity. <laughs> there you go. Talk about then, that a little bit. Yeah, I mean it's 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 not that deep, man. Right. You're gonna get you're gonna get there. Just you don't have to. I've had friends that have surpassed me in views and 
and and whatever you want to call it in pop in popularity i know they've got big records you know mm-hmm. and, and you know they're suicidal you know because they've, they've done things that you know they never thought they would do just to be popular and make that make that money you know a lot of our greatest artists have killed themselves or, yeah. or lost it you know it's a fake life if you look at it, if you can maintain a real life which is you know um your family those people you love mm-hmm. if you could separate those two i mean this is the entertainment business right. i'm here to entertain you mm-hmm. i'm done entertaining you once i enter my home you know right. uh i'm a character when i go out and you know you saw me it's it's this is you you're getting pila kangri you know but when i'm home i'm just i'm normal my fr- my family says i'm not normal but you know, I, I, you know, I try to be as normal as possible for sure. You no, know? but, um, I'm not, I know for a fact that if I would have sold my soul, you know, I, you couldn't even talk to me right now. Probably wouldn't feel right. But you couldn't probably talk to me right now because, you know, I'd be yeah. that big. Right. You know, I've, I've had the opportunity of sell, selling my soul a million times, mm-hmm. but it's not something that I feel comfortable with. You know, I don't right. feel comfortable you know, giving into whoever they are to do whatever, to get wherever. I right. live a great life. You know, I've got things popping. I can go wherever I please, travel whenever I want, do whatever I want, spend my money. And it's mine. Mine. I owe nobody anything. No money. There's no investor. There's nothing. There's right. no one that can say to you, hey, Pila Kangri owes me or, you know, she did this or I've got this video of her doing whatever. Nothing. Right. But... A lot of people have done stuff and, you know, they're suffering. It's terrible. Yeah, it's bad. Real bad. So on the flip side, though. Yes. H- how do you define success? Wow, that's a great question. How do I define success? Success, is, to me, is being able to get up in the morning and I can decide to do whatever the hell I want. That's success. I can do what I can get on the plane right now. Or I can go have dinner with someone or I can, you know, I can do whatever I want without having to think about the monetary value of it or having to think of, of can I? So I think being able to do what you want at the moment, that defines, for me, that defines success. Very well put. Now, two years ago, you were handpicked as part of the class of 2021 of the Recording Academy. So let's talk that about was, that a little bit. That was crazy. Talk about that for a little bit. That was I was heading to breakfast with a cousin of mine, mm-hmm. and I got an email from the Grammys, the Recording Academy. Yeah, and um, I said, "Why am I getting this email today?" Because I know when we get emails, and uh, from the Latin Grammys. And I said, "Wait, right. th- this is not the Latin Grammy. This is the Recording Academy." I'm like, "Oh God, am I in trouble?" So my cousin said, "What is it?" Like, well, I don't know. So I pulled over. Mm-hmm. I was in Manhattan, and I looked at it. I said, "Get out of here." So I gave it to her. She's a school teacher. Mm-hmm. And we're driving to go have breakfast. And she goes, P, the Recording Academy, you've been handpicked. I said, that's what I read. Is, is that insane? She goes, no, it's real. It was awesome. It was the first time they ever did that. The first year they ever handpicked anybody. I, and I, and I, and I want to thank who it was. And I have no idea who handpicked or how they, I have no idea how the mystery goes of how it happened. Yeah, but it feels awesome. You know, I didn't apply. I was handpicked. That's dope. That is wow. Well, yeah. first, congrats are are in order. You. you know what I mean for getting something like that, which is never. I mean, no one's really handpicked for those things. So the fact that you were yes. handpicked 
for this honor, that that is incredible. And it yeah, speaks it's, volumes it's of the work that you've been putting in. And a lot of times, like I always say, you know, the hardworking people should reap the benefits because they're the ones that's really putting the time in, putting the work in without having to cut corners or to stab someone in the back or step on someone's toes. You don't Absolutely. have to do that. It may no, take you, you a little don't. bit longer to right. get there, but guess what? You got there the honest way. You got there the right Absolutely. Way. Absolutely. It can be done. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Now you made uh you you alluded to it a little earlier in the interview. We talk about boss of the block. For those that haven't haven't heard the um have heard this album as of yet, tell the people and, and give them like a bird's eye view of what they can look forward to listening to track by track on for boss of the block. Okay, Boss of the Block is is a Latin urban album. Um, it's full of. It's a New York record. It, mm-hmm. It's it, you hear it when you put on the first song. You feel the concrete. You are in New York. It's mm-hmm. a very very New York album. The swag is there. The delivery, even though I'm 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 rapping in Spanish, the mm-hmm. delivery is very very New York. It has a lot of nuances. A lot of um, nuances of um, of New York City and our forefathers, our hip hop forefathers. You know, uh, yeah. it's it's gritty, it's it's dirty, and it's hard. That's New you York hip hop. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, absolutely. And then you know, when I go into the, there's some reggaetons, or reggaetons are sexy. Um, they're um, they're sexy. They're sexy. And we've got some Afro beats going on too. Mm. Uh, on the album, but it's it's definitely a well-rounded New York album. I'm very proud of it, and it's called Boss of the Block. And who are some of the producers that were on this record? Uh, we're gonna call them. Um, it's two guys. Uh, their names are Jungle Juice. So it's uh, Jay Lee and Jesus. Big up to them if they're listening in. And uh, some guy from um, not some guy. He's a friend of mine from uh, Spain. His name is Yosni. So Yosni worked on the song called La Fiebre, which is fever. And one of the remixes was done by uh, Adam Joseph. Adam Joseph is a Billboard uh, Billboard rank producer, amazing. So he did one, he's a really good friend. So he did a remix of it, of it. And I co-produced everything. It has my touch everywhere. Your last single, um, Bayando Kizoba, surpassed over 1 million views on YouTube as well as Facebook. And you're gaining loyal fans worldwide. So how does it feel when you're getting those type of views, those type of numbers you know, in regards to your catalog. It's crazy. Um, That was before Boss of the Block. So that's the Mm -hmm. single right before Boss of the Block. Mm -hmm. Yo, I reached a million views. It was nuts. It was nuts. And then Atrevete, which is the first single of Boss of the Block, I think it's 5 million worldwide at this point. Yeah. It's a dope dope video. Check it out. It's dope. I I almost definitely will. Because like I said, you have a, a very deep... Catalog. Yeah, so I do. I you, do. You're a very, very deep one, and I'm I'm trying to at least get halfway there. I'm on. I'm, I'm trying. I'm getting there. But that's we, cool. We, I appreciate. Kind of getting there. Yeah, for sure. Now, any you know collaborations. You know, what I mean, when you're when you're collaborating with you know whether it's a producer or if you're pro- collaborating with other artists, we all and you 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 said it earlier. You know, artists we do have ego sometimes. Where is the happy medium with you? when you're doing a collaboration with, you know, producers or other artists, where's that happening? Well, producers is very simple. When I walk into, into a session, I leave my ego outside and I sit with the producer and I say, you tell me what you want me to do. I'm going to do exactly what you tell me to do. And I become a parakeet. So whatever the producer wants me to do, I'm there. I got to let the producer do his job. 
yes, I am the co-producer, but I've got to let, I mean, I've done everything. We're here now. So I'm going to let you do your job so I can have the best product ever. As far right. as artists, man, artists are just, you know, some of them are assholes, man. It's like, you know, it's not, it's, they don't want to do the work. They don't want to do the work. They just don't want to do the work. They want to do, I, I, I didn't do any collaboration on this album yet. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there'll be a few singles that I'll have collaborators on, but I didn't do a collaboration because if you're not willing to work as hard as I am, if you're not willing to put in um, that promotion money on yourself, I can't work with you. Now, I've asked, there was a, a female artist who wanted to get on the album. So I asked her, I said, what is your budget for promotion? She goes, what does that mean? I go, exactly what it means. What? How much money are you going to spend? Or what? Or if you don't know, tell me, like, how are you going to promote this song if I put it out with both of us? Like, what is your plan? If you don't know a plan, say, P, I don't know a plan. What do we do? But nobody wants to spend their own money on themselves. Nobody wants to promote. They think, they think that they do a song and you're Michael Jackson tomorrow. doesn't mm -hmm. work that way. Or Daddy Yankee. You're not. No. You're not. So I haven't done any collaborations yet. Jay Lee, who's one of my co-producers on some of the album, you can hear his voice doing some things, which is kind of cool. I try to uh -huh. get him to sing with me, but uh, he said, he not on this one, he said on the next one he'll sing. But uh, yeah, that's my approach is to let the producer do his job. That's my my approach. No ego whatsoever. Yeah. I love the fact that when it's almost like when I'm in the studio too, sound engineer, producer or whatever, and it's like I, I look at them as a head coach almost and I'm I'm the player. You know what I mean? And they and they're calling the plays or they're saying, Hey, you know, I need to hear this, or they'll throw some suggestions at me. You know what right, I mean? Right. And you learn and that's how I was able to learn and I'm super grateful for, you know, some of the sound engineers that I worked with in the past because mm -hmm. I was able to learn so much about just some of the technical things from a production standpoint that a lot of people overlook. You know, maybe the average the average music fan may not even appreciate. You know what I mean? Right. They just think it's just a push of a button and they make all these things happen. No, it is a process. Yeah, it is. No matter, no matter which way it is a process. Absolutely. Now, before we get out of here, where can people find you on social media, things of that nature? So Instagram, it's at Pilakangri, which is P-L-A-C-A-N-G-R-I and Pilakangri.com. Everything is Pilakangri. And okay. I'm pretty much accessible. Pretty much accessible. Well, Pilakangri, again, it's been a pleasure. Again, you have no idea. It's been a pleasure <laughs> to have you on, you know, the you. podcast, you know, and sharing your knowledge, sharing your wisdom. And like I said, I'm smart because I know I'm not, and I listen to those that are. Absolutely, and you're you're extremely smart. Know this business, you know you Thank know you. the ins and outs and everything. And like just sometimes I sit back and even when I interview somebody and I just let my guests talk because I'm a sponge. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I want to know information, not so much of trying to use it to to you know use it against somebody. No, it's of it's course to, not. Yeah. share and to learn and to absorb you know what i mean so i am super appreciative of you know a lot of the, the gems you were dropping on this episode today and um we definitely look forward to uh you know doing some things down the road thank you thank you for All having right. me sorry, sorry i made you wait three months i didn't realize it was that long <laughs> <laughs> no that's cool don't worry about it All right. Well, that does it for this week's edition of the Dilu Podcast. Again, I want to thank Pila Kangri for stopping by and giving us her story and uh, where she's been, where she's at, and where she's going. And I wish her all of the best on continued success in all that she does. This past weekend, I spent a lot of time, you know, 
advertising, you know, Espacion, my new record, my new single with Angie Stars, you know, been really social media, you know what I mean, really putting it out there, you know, this past Tuesday, the music, the official music video is out, so you can go onto my YouTube channel, you can also see the music video on Tidal, you can also see it on Apple Music, so make sure that you do it, and also if you have Apple TV and any smart TV that has a Vivo, you can actually watch the music, music video on Vivo as well, go to Derek T. Lewis and you can look it up and you can see Espacion on there as well. This weekend, you can find me at the Delaware Taco Festival with Monster Factory Pro Wrestling. We'll be there both days doing some Lucha Libre type wrestling. We're doing two shows per day. Check me out there. It's in Wilmington, Delaware. If you can just Google Delaware Taco Festival, you'll be able to find information there. Come check us out. There's going to be other performances there as well. I know there's other vendors there, but of course, there's tacos. You can have all tacos that you want. Well, you can, you know, go on to my social media. That's, you know, all social media. I'm not going to even name the apps. You know the deal. Uh, the Real DT Lou Facebook is Derek T. Lewis official page. You can go on to my store, shop.derektlewis.com. And if you're listening to this podcast and haven't subscribed yet, what are you waiting for? Make sure you hit the subscribe button so you can get all new content for the DLU podcast brought to you by Believe Network when it becomes available. Well, again, I'm going to get out of here. And just remember, as I always say, no matter what it is you do in life, always remember to make it count. See you next time.